G'day guys and welcome to our very first cricket episode of Glory Days. What a beauty it is as we look back on the Belvoir Cricket Club's very first A-grade premiership in Cricket or Wodonga. This season had a bit of everything, including the ultimate prize, but it had another act of selflessness that the club will never forget. A massive thanks to Zach and the team at Japo Donks Tyres, Wheels and Batteries for its sponsorship of this episode. Sit back and enjoy Belvoir 2015-16, the captain's call. Let her rip, Robbie. G'day guys and welcome to the next edition of the Glory Days podcast. As you're about to hear, this story has a bit of everything. Amongst a team that had no shortage of different characters, wanting the same prize, but taking different pathways. There were moments during the season where it looked like the Eagles season was about to explode. A first round finals loss had the season on a knife edge until one man, one leader, made a call that will be never forgotten. It broke the hearts of teammates. It broke the heart of the man himself, but it made a stand that will go down in Belvoir cricket folklore with one of the most selfless acts imaginable. This is Belvoir 2015-16. Captain's call. Belvoir Eagles had finished a disappointing 2014-15 season in eighth place after having played finals the previous season. Its only other finals appearance was its second season in Cricket Orbidon Provincial in 2008-09. The Eagles' last premiership was in the 2002-03 season when in the Wodongan District Cricket Association. This completed three premiership victories in a row and four in five seasons. Their time in the Wodongan District Cricket Association had been a successful one since the club was established in 1949. The Eagles won eight A-grade, nine B-grade and four C-grade premierships in their time in the Wodonga DCA. The merging of the Aubrey and Border Cricket Association and the Wodonga District Cricket Association in the 2007-08 season presented a wonderful opportunity for the club to test itself at a higher level. Club veteran Michael Spiteri explained the mindset behind a move to a higher standard of cricket. Primarily around, they were losing um, some of the young, talented cricketers, and Tim Kennedy's probably the best example of that, moving on from the club, not necessarily getting you know some opportunity that he probably could have been getting with some you know strong depth that we had at that stage but yep. he wanted to go and play at a high level anyway and we were we were just mindful of probably trying to uh, manage the drain of talent so to speak so um we tried to get on the front foot i think we tried two or three times to get in and uh for whatever reason that the clubs um knocked it back and then uh, i think i think when it got to a, a board situation crw then it, um, then it um, found a bit more leverage and, and we got across the line, thankfully. And uh, yeah, the rest, as I say, is history. The Eagles recruiting committee were on the front foot and signed Dylan Wright as playing coach. Wright came with an impressive playing resume from Sunbury United in the Gisborne and District Cricket Association. Wright had relocated to the border to take up a role as an assistant coach with the Yakandanda Football Club in the Tulangata Football League. He was appointed to take up the coaching job vacated by Mick Russell. Russell, however, was still heavily involved in recruiting and was appointed captain, replacing Ryan Eggie McNeil, who had done it for the last three years. The Eagles' bowling stocks were also strengthened with the signing of Murray Valley cricket star Matt Gench and Lavington Premiership quick Cameron McCormack. The late signing of cricket journeyman Josh Warren boosted the batting stocks. Warren's decision to join the club came on the back of a Cricket Orbidonga pre-season representative trip to Canberra for the ACT-based Konica T20 Cup. English import Jack Holt became the club's very first overseas signing and it came with big raps arriving in time for round one, despite an airport mix-up that Cameron McCormack explains. The Tuesday, Micker and Drew started heading down to Melbourne and Holtie had posted on his Facebook that he was just leaving home on the way to the airport. 
and the boys thought that was really strange because they were on their way to Moraine to pick him up and they went, mate, was that like posted earlier and we've just seen it now, what's going on, where are you, we're in Dubai, are you? And he wrote, no, I'm on my way to Heathrow. <laughs> he was still and in England. He was still in England. So <laughs> the boys were down, oh, down halfway to Melbourne to go and pick him up and, um, yeah, Jack was still in England um, and Micka had got his dates mixed up. So him and Drew didn't end up going and get him. They came home and um, I ended up jumping in the car the next day to go down and get him. Before the season commenced, plenty was happening off the field with the coaching tenure of Dylan Wright being ended before a ball was bowled. Mick Russell explains how the club came to the decision to end his coaching stint. Dylan kind of, I guess, probably um, felt that um, he just deserved the respect of, of you know, the playing group um, rather than going out and, and earning it first and earning that trust of the playing group. And so it's a, it's a balancing act between both sides. But, yep. but ultimately what, what we did is we, we took a pretty drastic call because we ended up, you know, stand, standing him down. But, you know, we, we still wanted him as a player. We saw real value in what he offered the side as a player because he was a phenomenal player. Excellent fieldsman, very, very handy bowler and, and very aggressive um, attacking batsman. And so, you know, we we try to do it as diplomatically as possible and say, hey, maybe this isn't going to work, but for our season to, to continue and to get the best out of both parties, maybe you just, just stick around as a player and, and you know, let, let's just let's just see how that works. And, and ultimately, um, you know, we, we came to a pretty good arrangement in the end. It was a learning curve for, for our club. Yeah. Like next time we did that, you know, we knew we needed to ask certain questions. We needed to, to, to really do our groundwork. And um, again, you know, that year was the first year we'd, we'd appointed an overseas um, player in Jack Holt. Um, and, you know, that was a learning experience in itself about, you know, what we needed to provide and, and um, you know, make sure we, we crossed our T's and dotted our I's. And, and appointing a coach is no different. To complete a tumultuous time for Wright, he suffered a life-threatening training mishap just two days before the first round that had him rushed to the Wodonga Hospital. Teammate and current club president, Brad Freak, takes up the story. We were doing a drill sort of similar to a H drill at footy where you're throwing the ball down the line, underarm over the top of a stump and back over to the group on your left and do it again. Um, and somehow, some way, as somebody threw underarm at one of the balls, he... The, ball, the stump got knocked out of the ground and the stumps we were using were older stumps and they had a metal spike on the bottom of them. And he basically, as he, the stumps sort of come into where into his line of his run and he's tried to jump over it and as he's jumped over on it, the bottom of the stump, well, the top of the stump's flipped over and gone onto the ground and just naturally with gravity, he's come down and spiked himself and basically stabbed himself in the, right on the inside of his thigh. Um... It was a pretty nasty scene. Um, without the quick thinking of uh, sort of Liam Sanford and Dick McMillan, he probably, yeah, I'm not too sure what I happened to him if it wasn't for those two boys. Otherwise, yeah. So what'd they do? Sandy basically just ripped off his shirt he had off his back and basically just tied around his leg as quickly as he could and um, stopped the bleeding as quickly as he could. And Dicko basically got his ute out on the ground. About three or four blokes threw him in the back of the ute and just drove him straight to Wodonga Hospital, which I'm pretty sure he was in surgery about half an hour after it. So, all was set for round one with a home game against New City at Kelly Park on the second Saturday in October. Belvoir had eight players in the side who had played in the final round the previous year. Recruits Matt Gench, Cameron McCormack, Josh Warren and Jack Holt made up the 12. Ironically, it was Josh Warren who had last season blasted 168 foot on the Raiders to deny Belvoir any chance it had to make the finals in the final match of the season, who would top score for the Eagles with 60 in an easy win over New City. Belvoir's total of 206 proved too many for New City who were bundled out for 91, with Matt Gench four for 21 and Brad Freak three for seven doing the damage. Freak had earlier in the day been dismissed in unusual circumstances while batting. Oh, wow-wee. Well, what happened there? What happened there? He's been given out. Handled the ball. High on the bat, and he's belted it away with the back of the hand. So absolutely no doubt there. And I, the way he looked around slowly was the look of a guilty man. I think it was just uh, an instant reaction, seeing that the ball was going to fall on the stumps, and then I think he suddenly realised he'd done the wrong thing. 
Round two was a two-day clash at Rowan Park in Talangata, with the Eagles coming away with another easy win and to the top of the ladder. Drew Cameron top scored with 55, while five other batters scored between 22 and 37, as Belvoir posted eight for 249 off its 80 overs. After a promising opening stand of 61, Talangata wickets tumbled to be all out for 152, with off-spinner Zach Simmons taking three for 38 off 22 overs. Day one of round three was washed out, leaving the match against Aubrey at Kelly Park a 50 over per side next week. Belvoir destroyed the Aubrey side, bowling them out for 100, with all the bowlers taking a wicket. English quick, Jack Holt was the best with three. In reply, the Eagles monstered the Aubrey attack, with Josh Warren making 146 and John Spencer 102, as the Eagles made five for 335. For Spencer, it was his maiden first grade century. The pair put on 239 runs. Warren hit an incredible 15 sixes with left arm spinner Paddy Murray copping the brunt of the carnage, being hit at one stage for four sixes in succession. Josh Warren and John Spencer said it was just one of those days. It was pretty good, to be honest, Robbie. Um, yeah, got a couple out of the middle, as you could say. And, yeah, it was yeah, a good day to be a part of, yeah, with a big um, partnership as well with uh, Johnny Spencer, who's been a close mate of mine for a long, long time. And for him to get his first 100 as well and be out there was, yeah, it was good. Now, Mums, was there any bowler in particular who felt the brunt of your willow? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, one of my close mates as well, Paddy Murray. Um, he bowled, yeah, I think it's 11 balls to me, and I hit nine of them for six. So, yeah. Oh, nine, nine went for six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A uh, couple on to the roof uh, across the road of Kelly Park. So, yeah, it was uh, good fun. Josh was actually really good for me that day. So, uh, it was in the air a lot. But, I mean, it was good to get one out of the way because I'd, I'd been close a few times years before, but it was just good to finally get that off the bat. So he must have been seeing them like footballs. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. I had the best seat in the house. So we we had a bit of a joke out there. I think he just he kept putting Paddy Murray over the fence. I was like, you know, I just get the single and be like, well, can I have a go? And he goes, oh, just give me another over of him. And I lean, I lean in for nine sixes or something in three overs. Like it was just ridiculous. The massive win left the Eagles as the only unbeaten side and well clear in the top of the ladder. Next up, a home game against the Lavington Panthers, who had won two of its three opening matches. The Eagles went into the clash missing opening bowler Matt Gench for week one, and another five players away on week two with representative duties for Riverina. Wicketkeeper Nat Saruman, all-rounder Brad Freak, spinner Zach Simmons, and middle-order batsman Drew Cameron and Josh Warren were all in Wagga for the New South Wales Country Championships that were played on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. With no Gench and Lavington winning the toss and batting, it was a bad result for Belvoir, with its top three batsmen all away the next week. Panthers batted its full 80 overs and made 215. Belvoir's spin attack of Ryan McNeil and Zach Simmons bowled 55 of the overs, with McNeil finishing with six for 53 off 22 overs and Simmons three for 78 off 33 overs. They destroyed the Lavington middle order after the visitors were two for 143. Close mate and captain Mick Russell explained it would be one of the last spells of bowling from their former captain, an all-round good guy. Look, he, he was a very close friend of mine and a, and a great mentor. Um, he was a teacher as well. Uh, I'm a school teacher as well, and, and uh, he was probably you know, seven or eight years older than me. So he was always kind of happy to guide me through my my um, you know work life as well, and 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 give me some great advice there. But but on the field. You know, he was also a, a great mentor and calming presence. Uh, and he always had great perspective about, you know, cricket just being a game. And sometimes we could overthink things and, and overanalyze. And, <laughs> you know, Eggy always just had a way about saying, boys, like, it's just got to be fun. You know, if the fun factor's not there, then, we, we, you know, we've got to go back and change our plans. So, you know, my relationship with Eggy was, was a pretty special one. Um, but at the same time, um, he'd been captain for a number of years. And, you know, he had a young family. And, you know, I was chomping at the bit. And, and I guess, like, internally, I was always kind of touted as, you know, the natural kind of, you know, next captain. And so, you know, Eggy was really good in saying, like, hey, the time's come. Like, I'm going to pass the baton to you, but I'm still going to be here. And, um, you know, and, and mentor 
your mental you on the field. And so, um, you know, in those early few rounds of that season, it was pretty volatile. We had some some new personalities into the side that that um, you know really had to be managed. And uh, he played, you know, a, a great helping hand in doing that. Day two, and only a lone hand from John Spencer with 53 saved the Eagles from a complete collapse as the Panthers rolled the understrength Belvoir batting for just 110 after they were four for 78. The Country Championships Carnival in Wagga was an unsuccessful one with River Renner being beaten in all three games. It was a memorable one, however, for Nat Saruman for all the wrong reasons, with the wicketkeeper batsman being run out in all three matches. Nat explains, pardon the pun, his run of outs. It's always a great challenge to play at a higher level and um, it was great to have so many familiar faces up there with me um, in, in that side. But it's it's funny because notoriously I'm, I'm not a great runner between wickets and it's, it's, said, it's said at Belvoir that you're not really a Belvoir player until you've been run out by me. So the, the <laughs> shoe was on the other foot that, that day. Off-spinner Zach Simmons said the boys got a laugh in a post-match speech made by River Renner all-rounder John Nickel, who made a cameo appearance on day three. Yeah, we, um, we'd had a big three days, probably had our eyes open to the next level of cricket. Um, we'd been given a bit of a touch-up day one and two, and we rolled into day three thinking our luck was going to change. We had a guy called John O'Nickel come in um, that everyone was raving about. We thought um, we might actually win the last day, and what ended up uh, happening was he was involved in three runouts, and then proceeded to <laughs> tell us all at the end of the day that um, our commitment and want to play for Referenda needed to be a little bit better. And we sort of all sat back and thought, well, you've just run three of our batsmen out, and you only turned up on Sunday. So anyway. This was not the end of what had already been a hectic pre-season of representative cricket for the Belvoir boys, with the Plan B Regional Bash competition getting down to the business end. Round five was a clash with crosstown rivals Wodonga, who, like Belvoir, had won three of its four games. The latter was incredibly tight, with just four points separating the top seven teams. Wodonga, after winning the toss and batting, collapsed to be reeling at nine for 82 before the innings' biggest partnership the last added respectability as the doggies were bowled out for 110. Brad Freak maintained his good form with four for 40, including the wicket of doggy star Robbie Jackson, while Ironman Matt Gench showed a sign of things to come with a marathon stint of 24 overs, eight maidens, two for 45. With 21 overs to bat on day one, Belvoir started in terrible fashion to be four for 21 and in big trouble. Resuming on day two, Nat Saruman and Josh Warren led a comeback before Saruman and John Spencer both fell with a score on 57 and still 54 runs needed for victory with six wickets down. Warren, however, blasted the dogs' attack, hitting nine fours and four sixes in a swashbuckling innings of 82. Warren had a point to prove after being left out of the T20 representative side. One of his sixes off Englishman Andrew Wheel was one of the biggest sixes ever seen at the Les Cheesley Oval. Matt Gench, 39, Mick Russell, 28, and Zach Simmons, 21 not out, added great support as Belvoir finished with 243 and a convincing 133-run victory. Due to the trip to Sydney for the Plan B Regional Bash Finals at the Sydney Cricket Ground the next day, play was stopped at 2.30pm for representative players to make the bus trip up that afternoon and evening. This, however, did not happen at all games, as Brad Freak explains. Pretty sure there was one game, I think, involving Talangita at the time, where basically all the clubs got sent a memo at the start of the week to finish the games at about 2, 2.30. And I'm pretty sure we started it an hour earlier those days as well to get majority of the cricket in. Um, I can't remember who they were playing, but I think they were playing a weaker side and were trying to get full points for that round, um, which obviously helped them later in the year when they were getting onto the top of the ladder. But... Um, I mean, for other sides, like against Wodonga for us, because the because the final six was so tight, if they had been able to play the other few hours and play a second innings, you don't know with an extra few wickets here or a new few runs yeah. there, they might have finished in the top four rather than finished fifth. And then the whole final series is different then. Round six was an away game to East Aubrey, who were languishing in second last place. The result matched the latter positions, with the Eagles thumping the Crows by 100 runs on the first innings. 
Vice-captain Drew Cameron made a superb 103 that included 18 boundaries. He, along with a half-century from Jack Holt, had put the Eagles in a commanding position at two for 186. However, the middle and low order crumbled to the spin of Sean Barrett and Chris Moloster to finish its 80 overs at nine for 249. The Mercury had soared into the 40s on day two, and with Matt Gench absent and Jack Holt straining a hamstring after just three overs, the Eagles' attack was depleted, to say the least. The three frontline bowlers left, Brad Freak, Cameron McCormick and Zach Simmons toiled magnificently to bowl the Crows out for 149 in the 67th over. Freak and McCormack both bowled 19 overs and took three wickets each, while Simmons bowled 23 overs and took two wickets. The win took Belvoir into second position, just two points behind Talangata as the competition took a break for Christmas and New Year. Zach Simmons said it was tough going in that searing heat. We'd obviously had a good day one and um, rolling into day two, we knew Genshi was going to be um, away. Um, so it was going to fall back onto the the other four bowlers that we used for most of the year. And then, um, yeah, Holty has always opened the bowling, um, three overs into his spell. Got a bit of a sore hammy, so he had to stop bowling for the rest of the day, which left it up to um, Brad and Cam and uh, myself. So it was a... Bit of a stinking hot day, but um, yeah, just the three of us had to be in a bit of a rotation and try and tie down an end when it was our turn to roll the arm over. And um, yeah, we managed to come out on top, which was nice. Obviously, Maddie and Holty were were and still are good bowlers, but um, yeah, Brad's a, a extremely good bowler and knows his game very well. And Cam had won premierships or a premiership at Lavi and. Um, it opened the bowling in times gone by and, um, yeah, they played a massive role that day, but they also played roles throughout the year, which was really pleasing. The second Saturday in the 2016 New Year had Belvoir at home to sixth-place St. Patrick's on a slow Kelly Park wicket. In a grinding day's play, Belvoir, after winning the toss, were bowled out just before stumps for 168 in 77 overs. Nat Saruman top scored with a patient 64. Josh Warren 27 and Drew Cameron 25 were the only other batters to go past 20 as the St. Patrick's attack strangled the Eagles batters. Wayne Hawking bowled 15 overs for just 13 runs while crafty left arm off spinner Kane Aaron Duchikas took four for 40 off 19. On an at times fiery day two, St. Patrick's batters ground Belvoir into the Kelly Park pitch, easily running down the Eagles' score, with Paddy's finishing at nine for 226. Matt Gench took three for 57 off 26 overs, but was reported for verbal abuse against St. Patrick's Scottish import, Neil Smith, in the first hour's play. Following a delayed tribunal hearing, Gench was suspended for one match missing the round nine clash with North Aubrey. Gench freely admits he suffers a bit from white line fever, but on this occasion, he was an innocent man. Yeah, Robbie, I can remember it quite well because that's the, the only time in my sporting life that I've ever been suspended uh, for anything. So um, I the before uh, we got the wicket, there's a bit hazy because there was a lot of chit-chat from uh, behind the wicket and down that other end whilst Neil Smith was on strike. Um, and there was a fair bit of complaining from Neil to the umpires and stuff like that. So I knew we were getting under his skin. Um, and then when I got the wicket, I can I can vouch for my story because I had to tell it twice to the tribunal um, that, yeah, at, at Cali Park when I got him at LBW, turned around, appealed, and in my follow-through, I just continued on to the slips cordon. Neil Smith's a left-hander. Yep. Um, he's walking to Cali Park towards the change rooms, and, and I went across in front of him. And as I finished my appeal, I actually turned around and I was level with the batsman and I still to this day swear I did not say a word to him. But yeah, the, the independent tribunal actually found me not guilty. Um, I played against the Wodonga Raiders the next week and then uh, the league, uh, I got was told that it was the league launched an appeal against the decision and yeah, I was ruled out for a match. The loss saw Belvoir drop to fourth place and just two points clear of seventh place in a congested ladder. Belvoir went on a run feast in the next match against bottom place Wodonga Raiders with Josh Warren making 102 in the first innings and Drew Cameron 126 not out in the second innings after he'd made 64 in the first innings. 
Glenn Vasalo made 82 in the first innings, while veteran Mick Spiteri finished unbeaten on 53 in the second innings purge. Across their two innings, they accumulated five for 530 in just 81 overs. However, after bowling Raiders out for just 60 in 22 overs in the first innings, they could manage only five Raider second innings wickets in 50 overs to miss out on an outright victory. Matt Gench took six for 11 and Jack Holt three for 28 in the first innings route. The big win took Belvoir back to third position, just two points behind ladder leaders Wodonga. Sadly, the match against Wodonga Raiders proved to be the last first grade appearance for popular clubman and former skipper Ryan Eggie McNeil. His great friend and longtime teammate and mentor, Nat Saruman, speaks about his great mate, Eggie. I, I wish I had the, the words to describe Ryan, but, but I really don't. Um, on, on the field, he was, he was a fierce, fierce competitor. He had, he had a bit of white line fever, but he, he was really crafty with his trade. He was a, a crafty little off spinner. And one of the things that he loved to do was, was outthink his, his opposition. So um, that, that, that was really good. And, and being behind the stumps like that, it was really, it was really great for me because, you know, I got, got to see his craft firsthand. I suppose the thing that, that, that made Ryan, Ryan was uh, the person that he was off the field. And, and not everybody that played against him got to, got to see that. So uh, I was lucky enough because Ryan, um, he babysat me when he, when he was a, when he was a 16 year old and, and looked after me. So I've got a fair bit of history um, um, with the great man. But uh, one of the things that people don't know about Ryan is he was, he was such a, he was a dedicated family man and he, you know, he, he had a lot of love. He, he loved his wife, Jess Dealey, and, he, and his, his daughters, uh, Thea and Lara. And it wasn't uncommon for, for his old family to come down and watch the, the, the cricket with his, his mum, Glennis, his, his old man, Roy. Um, but just for me, he just, he just uh, role modelled what any young man should aspire to become. He was... He was always so positive and, you know, he's patient and calm and anyone that was lucky enough to meet him never forgot, never forgot Eggy. So, uh, like, he just, he, he loved watching the growth within a person and um, he never he never made judgments on anyone but always offered a solution or a, a different perspective um, on different things. I, I miss him dearly and I'm, I'm sure that um, everybody that, that knew Ryan um, misses him dearly, but the, the lessons that he taught uh, to all of us, live, they live within us as individuals and, and in, in our club's culture. So um, his, his motto with anything in, in cricket and life and sport was was to have fun. And we've, you know, we've still got a little a little uh, sign that we that, that before each game and each time um, we take the field that you know we, we make sure we get across to that. And he's with us. He's with us all the time. He, he was a he was a really special person. The second last round pitted Belvoir up against fifth place North Aubrey. The Eagles would be without Matt Gench, who had copped a week suspension following his report in round seven against St. Pat's. The game also featured the long-awaited debut of former coach Dylan Wright, who had missed most of the season due to the severe training injury in October. On a typically good batting deck and fast outfield at Button Park, Belvoir had no hesitation in batting after Mick Russell had won the toss. Glenn Fazalo 50, Josh Warren 35, Drew Cameron 25 and John Spencer 24 all made a start at the top of the order before a middle order collapse had the Eagles collapse to 5 for 165. However, a superb rear guard ninth wicket stand from Dylan Wright 63 and Brad Freak 41 along with Zach Simmons had the Eagles finish with an imposing 265. North Aubrey started the run chase on day two well and at two for 131 were in the box seat before Dylan Wright took wickets in successive balls to bring the Eagles back into the game. This was the last of the joy for the Eagles as Brendan Simmons 95 and wicketkeeper Craig Taylor 101 not out added a century stand as tempers started to fray on the field in the Eagles camp. North Aubrey finished with five for 311. Zach Simmons bowled a marathon, 26-over spell for Belvoir. Cameron McCormack and Dylan Wright clashed in a heated moment that almost resulted in a walk-off by Wright. McCormack takes up the story. From memory, it was a really hot day, Robbie, and us bowlers were busting our bum on a, on a very flat 
Bunton Park, yep. as you could expect them rolling up on the second day. And I finished an over and and copped a mouthful of abuse from Dylan saying that we were bowling shit and so on. Um, and obviously I have a white line fever temper and I turned around to him and I told him that no, no one at Yakandana Footy Club liked him and no one at our club liked him and there was no point in being there. So wow. he then he then flew off with um, some expletives back at me and then proceeded to walk off the ground. So he was starting to walk off the ground and um, Michael Spiteri stopped him and said, if you walk off this ground right now, um, you're never coming back. So he stayed on the ground, but I think if you ask a few of the boys, especially Zach Simmons, that's probably the worst day of cricket they've ever been involved in in their life. The loss proved costly for the Eagles as they crashed to sixth place on the ladder ahead of its final round match before finals against second last New City at Urana Road Oval. In one of the most even seasons of Cricket Albedonga Provincial since its inception, all top six teams had at one stage been ladder leaders over the first nine rounds. Belvoir had only one intention going into the clash with New City and that was not only to win but win outright and climb the ladder into that top three. In almost the perfect game of cricket, Belvoir accomplished both the outright win and elevation into second place. New City, after winning the toss and batting, were bowled out in the 54th over for 103. Zach Simmons took four wickets and Cameron McCormack three, while Gench warmed up for his finals campaign with a 20-over spell. This left 23 overs to bat before stumps on day one. Belvoir fell just short of passing the New City total but with fine weather forecast in seven days' time, they were on track for a big result. The sun was out and so were the guns as Belvoir, led by an unbeaten 65 from Nat Saruman, batted for a further 19 overs to declare with a lead of 53 runs. New City made a good start to its second innings and at two for 77 and leading by 24 runs, looked set to bat out the afternoon and destroy the Eagles' hopes of an outright. New City, though, lost its last four wickets for just nine runs as Mick Spiteri took three wickets as New City were bowled out for 143, a lead of 90 runs. Belvoir had the task of scoring the runs in 18 overs and got there with just one over to spare, with Dylan Wright hammering a quick-fire 39 not out and Mick Russell 21. So, with the home-and-away season completed, the final ladder took another change, with Talangada moving from second to top, Belvoir jumped from fifth to second, St Patrick's went from top to third, North Aubrey stayed fourth, Wodonga dropped two places to fifth, and Lavington made up the final sixth in sixth position. For Belvoir, this meant a clash with cross-town rivals Wodonga. The Eagles' nest, however, was unsettled on the Thursday night before training, when Nat Saruman and Dylan Wright had a heated clash in the nets that led the club to suspend right for one match. Mick Russell explains the incident and subsequent action taken. Just summed up the type of year that I had in there. We very <laughs> rarely had a, a you know a normal week at Belvoir Cricket Club that year. Um, but yeah, on, you know on the on the, the Thursday night at training, um, it, it, Dylan was was facing one of our who now A grade opening bowlers in David Perkins, but. Um, Perko was still probably a 16, 16 year old fella, but he was slippery enough, you know, playing B grade and C grade, and and he he bowled a, a pretty uh, nippy Yorker that that got Dylan right on the point of the toe. Nat Saruman was batting in the in the net uh, next to Dylan, and Nat made a comment, a very um, harmless comment about, oh that that would have that would have stung or something like that. Next thing you know, Dylan was hurled his bat at the fence. Where Nat was you know, in between him and Nat, and then and almost was you know, clawing to get through the fence, basically threatening to knock his block off and, and swearing pretty aggressively. Significant players in our A grade side, and, and oh, you know, so so there there we go. We have this real kind of selection dilemma about well, you know, we we can't really stand for this because here I am preaching about you know team first and you know supporting each other, and you know we had people at the club supporting everyone we had volunteers down cooking barbecues and and, and yet you know you got someone who was going off their, their rocker at a pretty innocuous kind of 
thing, something that happens 20 times each career train. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, ultimately, you know, like I, I, we made the hard call to get rid of him and, uh, you know, just for that one game to, to stand him down. With Wright out, it paved the way for all-rounder Brad Freak to return from an ankle injury. In the two teams only have a clash for the season, Belvoir overcame a nervous run chase to power away with a 133-run victory. The first weekend in March was greeted with superb autumn weather, with Adonga winning the toss and batting. In a tense and gripping day's play, fortunes fluctuated throughout, with Wodonga, after losing an early wicket, taking control at one for 83, before the Eagles bowling and fielding crashed through the doggies to bowl them out for 173 in 70 overs. Opening bowlers Matt Gench, three for 43 off 18 overs, and Cameron McCormack, two for 34, gave nothing away as off-spinner Zach Simmons strangled the Wodonga middle order, taking two for 33 off 21 overs. Nat Saruman took four excellent catches behind the stumps. Four Wodonga batters made between 23 and 36 as good starts were not converted into runs. Belvoir were left to face seven overs before stumps against a fired-up Wodonga attack. Any advantage the Eagles had held faded considerably when both openers, Jack Holt, and Glenn Vasalo were dismissed to leave the game on a knife's edge heading into day two. Not out batsman Drew Cameron and Mick Spiteri resumed next day and trouble started early with Cameron departing with the score at three for 22. A recovery was gaining momentum until both Spiteri out for 22 and John Spencer fell to Byron Hales to leave the Eagles in dire trouble at five for 41. Things never improved as the middle and low order collapsed to be 9 for 86. It was only some defiance from Matt Gench, 25 not out, and Zach Simmons that added some respectability, with a last wicket stand of 32 to be all out for 118. Nat Saruman, top scored with 25. Wodonga swing king, Byron Hales, finished with 5 for 48 off 23 overs to be the chief destroyer, as Belvoir now awaited its season's fate on the result of the Talangata versus Lavington game that was heading for a close finish. A Talangata loss would have eliminated Belvoir and when Talangata were four for four and eight for 102, this was definitely on the cards until English import James Wheel blasted 93 not out and then on day two took six wickets to ensure Talangata won. In the other final, St. Patrick's eliminated North Aubrey with a seven wicket win. The rankings for the preliminary finals pitted Talangata at home to Belvoir and St. Patrick's hosting Wodonga at Xavier High School Oval. In a sensational lead up to the game, Belvoir veteran Mick Spiteri hit Media Street with a bang, calling out the opposition and ruffling the feathers of the Bushrangers. Speaking to the Border Mail, Spiteri declared that Talangata were vulnerable despite finishing as minor premiers and were relying very much on one player. All this after Belvoir themselves had performed poorly the previous week. Spateri explained his actions. Talangata had this aura of invincibility about them, I suppose. Um, they'd won the premiership the year before and, and they'd, they'd gotten out of some tricky situations later in the season and particularly in the final against against Lavington. They, they probably should have lost that game two or three times over and by the virtues of, of James Will... They they found a way to win the game, and that's you know credit to credit to them to find ways to win games when they're under the pump. But to me, it it showed that they were very very reliant on one or two players to get the job done for them. Yep. Yep. And I and I suppose what I wanted to do was it was it was a twofold thing. It was I wanted to verbalise the pressure on them and make them think about you know that <laughs> I, I knew what was going on with their game plan, and that if James Whale failed. Uh, or Matty Armstrong failed, then they were they were in big trouble from a batting and bowling point of view, um, and that's sort of where it sort of ramped up. I mean, you would know from from the from the semi final with Lavington, James pulled out ninety when they were oh. six for nothing, and then he's taken six wickets, sort of thing. So, yep. so you know that they've got the capability of one cloak to do the job for them, but that doesn't remove responsibility for the ten or eleven players, and I suppose. That's what I wanted to reinforce to our guys is that is that if we do this as a team um, and we put the pressure on all their players, and they're just as vulnerable to collapse as any other team. And as it turned out, whether it had anything to do with it or nothing to do with it, I don't know. But um, 
But, you know, you, you talk the talk and you walk the walk, I suppose. There were more sensations happening within the Belvoir camp with popular skipper, committeeman Mick Russell dropping himself for the match after capping the team all year. This, along with an injury to Brad Freak, paved the way for Dylan Wright to return from a club-imposed suspension for just his third senior game and lower-grade all-rounder Peter Cook being called up. Game day, and Talangata had no hesitation in batting after winning the toss. What was about to happen in the next 37 overs could not have been scripted any better by Spiteri himself as the vulnerable Talangata batting lineup crumbled. Englishman Jack Holt produced a breathtaking spell of bowling that netted him the first three Talangata wickets as he took three for seven off eight overs. Matt Gench and Zach Simmons then tore apart the Talangata middle and lower order, with Gench taking five for 25 and Simmons two for six. Peter Cook bowled five overs for just one wide as Talangata were bundled out for 68. The highlight of the innings was the dismissal of Bush Rangers skipper Matt Armstrong to one of the best catches ever seen in a cricket orbit on the final by Mick Spiteri. But I just anticipated where he was going to hit it, um, and I don't know how you know that that can happen from uh, you just luck. You might have watched I might have watched Matt bat for ten years, and you sort of know where he hits the ball, sort of thing. Yeah, I sort of took a couple of large steps after I ran four or five metres to my left, and then and then left as far as I could to to my left, and and next thing you know, the ball's sort of stuck in my hand, sort of thing. So it's interesting that particular. I felt pretty weak on my left side for the previous three weeks at training. So the, the funny thing is that style of catch I'd actually practiced, I reckon, 200 times at training in the previous fortnight. There you go. And, and I would have caught 25% of them, I suppose. This left Belvoir 40 overs to bat on day one. And despite a minor top order collapse against the fiery attack of Steve Wood and James Wheel when they fell to fourth of 38, the Eagles passed the Bush Rangers score before stumps. Day two lasted just 19 overs as Talangata conceded with Belvoir, five for 156. Josh Warren was unbeaten on 56 and skipper Drew Cameron, 42, when stumps were called around 2.30. The other preliminary final was an absolute thriller with Wodonga pulling off a miraculous one wicket victory over St. Patrick's in a low scoring clash. St. Patrick's were bowled out on day one for 126. In reply, Wodonga crashed to seven for 49 against some of the quickest bowling in many years by St. Patrick's speedster, Jared Hatton. Somehow, the dog's tail wagged and found a way home in a tense finish. This meant the 2015-16 Cricket Orbidonga Provincial Grand Final would be a replay of the semi-final clash two weeks previous between the crosstown rivals Wodonga and Belvoir at Les Cheesley Oval in Wodonga. In the lead up to the grand final, Belvoir veteran Mick Spiteri interrogated an AFL star and former Belvoir junior, John Segler, on what inspired his team Hawthorne to turn around a similar situation that the Eagles found themselves in. We played Wodonga in the first set of first week of the finals um, and they comprehensively outplayed us. So, um, and then we were to come up against them in the in the grand final again. So it was more about just to tap into the what's of the mindset and uh, and and the focus that needed to to happen when you're coming up against a similar position that you that you'd already played. On the selection table, only one change was made with all rounder Brad Freak returning from injury, replacing Peter Cook. This meant that Mick Russell, despite being captain all season, would again leave himself out after dropping himself prior to the preliminary final. Russell, in an incredibly selfless act, explains his reasons. Well, I was the most out of form cricketer in the competition. Uh, and so it was getting to the stage I felt personally where my form was um, becoming so glaringly poor that um, I felt that 
even though I think I had a, a tremendous amount of respect from the playing group and support from the playing group, I didn't want it to get to the stage where it was almost like a, you know, mixed captain and he's our, he's our great mate, but we're charity kind of, you know, we're, we're carrying him in this side. Walk, walk the talk here. And for years, when I was coaching the club, when I was captaining the club, it was always about like, put the team first, put the club first, do the club things. And if we'd gone any further and deeper into the final series with the captain, who was quite clearly the most out of form cricketer in the, in the A-grade squad, and I would have had to drop blokes. You know, I would have had to say, you don't make the side, because we probably had a squad of about 13 or 14 who could have played. And so there would have been blokes who would have been sitting on the sidelines going, how am I here? And the only place, the only way that that bloke's playing is because he's captain, because he's certainly not contributing on the field. I went home and, and I was quite emotional, um, but I remember saying to my wife, uh, if I do this, and she was she was ropeable, she was livid, you know, she said, you had done all this hard work. You, it had been, a, you know, a, a pretty, um, you know, different type of year. If I do this, I think there's a chance it will galvanise the team. And to this day, I still think that me stepping down rocked the team enough because there was some big egos in that team. You know, there was a lot of kind of people who were wanted to be, you know, the head chef. And I think me stepping down made people realise, hang on, there is someone here who's, who's, you know, putting into place everything they preach. And I think from that moment on, it really did galvanise the side. All the, the pettiness and the disputes stopped after that. And we just became hell-bent on beating Tulanga the next week. Probably, you know, that that was probably the last of the great debacles of, of that year. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my sporting career. Uh, and I'll never win an A-grade flag, you know, in cricket, I, I don't think. I think, you know, I'm kind of semi-retired now. I, I love my golf and I never won a senior flag in footy, you know, and, and, and uh, my legacy will be dropping myself from the probably the one chance I had, you know. And look, it, it, it's, still, it's still kind of like, you know, I'm going to pain the gut thinking about what I missed out on, you know. And, and I, I, I can look people in the eye uh, and hold my head up and say, yeah, I dropped myself from from that, you know, that experience. But I didn't deserve it. And I was man enough to say someone else should be in that side for our club and for our team to win. Um, and so, you know, people could call me many, many things on the sporting field, field but selfish, I, I think, isn't one. A magnificent day greeted players and spectators alike for the grand final, which was being broadcast live, ball by ball, by local radio station 1494 2AY, in what was believed to be a first in club cricket across regional Australia. On a beautifully prepared wicket and bowling green-like outfield, Belvoir had no hesitation in batting after Drew Cameron successfully called heads at the coin toss against Bulldogs captain Robbie Jackson. Despite the early loss of opener John Spencer for four, the Eagles settled in nicely with Saruman and Glenn Vassalo taking the score to two for 53 before Saruman was caught behind for 20. Vassalo and Drew Cameron batted to the tee break before Vassalo fell not long after the resumption for a superb 53 as the game stood in the balance at three for 105. Dylan Wright joined Cameron and made 20 before he was run out leaving the volatile right fuming all the way to the sheds and for a considerable time afterwards. Handy contributions from Josh Warren, 13, Mick Spiteri, 13, and unbeaten 17 not out from Jack Holt, supported Cameron, who was bowled by Byron Hales for 55. The Eagles were bowled out with just two balls remaining in the 80th over for 220. Bo Kennedy, who had bowled well all year against Belvoir, picked up four wickets, while Hayes grabbed three, as most pundits declared the game evenly balanced at Stumps on day one. Belvoir captain Drew Cameron summed up his thoughts at Stumps on day one. Yeah, I was pretty confident, um, just based on the previous years that um, at the Cheese team batting first that scores over 200, won every game. So we're pretty confident that we've got over 200, it would be enough with our bowling. However, Wodonga also had a very good batting lineup, so you know you always knew you were going to be in for a fight. Another beautiful sunny day was on hand in front of another massive crowd of over 1,500 spectators, with the Bulldogs chasing 
221 for victory. In what was described later by many Belvoir players, their planning and execution was immaculate as they crashed through the doggies' top order, having them four for 41, with Jack Holt and Matt Gench both taking two wickets each. The job was not done yet for Belvoir, as Wodonga's two best batters, Robbie Jackson and James Tonkin, started the fight back that took the score to four for 73 before Gench struck a telling blow as Tonkin was dismissed. Wodonga slowly working their way back into this game. It's four for 73. Matty Yench into his 20th straight over. He took the new ball and he's continuing all the way through. James Tonkin on strike for the Dogs. In comes Yench to Tonkin. Full pitch delivery. Slash outside the off stump and he's gone. Big wicket and big catch. Nat Saruman with the gloves on. That's the breakthrough the Eagles were looking for. And big trouble now for Wodonga. Five for 73 in the grand final. When Dan Dixon went LBW very next ball, the game was all but done for Wodonga. Gench and Zach Simmons tore the lower order part as Wodonga were bowled out for 118 in 65 overs, with skipper Robbie Jackson unbeaten on 54. So Yench to complete his 33rd on the trot here. He's bowling to McGee. In comes Yench. McGee slashes at one, appeals for court behind. Up goes the finger. Saruman's taken the catch. Nat Saruman's taken five catches and Matty Yentz with the ball. Six wickets and it's all over in the grand final. Wodonga all out for 116. Robbie Jackson left stranded on 54. And the Belvoir players, look at the absolute jubilation on the Les Cheesley Oval. Absolutely crazy scenes here. Belvoir, they've done it. The Eagles, the Premiers for 2015-16. The star among many was Gench, who bowled a marathon 33 straight overs to finish with six for 44, of which 15 were maidens. Not surprisingly, he was named the Gary Williamson medalist for player of the match. His figures for the three finals matches were quite remarkable. 64 overs, 26 maidens, 14 wickets, but just 112 runs. An economy rate of 1.75 runs per over at an average of eight runs per wicket. Simply amazing. Gench spoke of his marathon spell and his finals mentality. It's something that um, I'm proud of, my performances in those games and in, in every final that I've ever played. And, and I guess that stems back from um, Graham Yallop, who was one of the first ever coaches that I had down at Pines Career Club and ex-Australian captain. And he, I remember a speech that he gave and it just stuck with me. And, and he said that people remember how you perform in finals. And um, that just is something that I've hung on to. And, and I'm a Michael Jordan fan. He's my idol. And he's he said the same thing that, uh, yeah, that's your highest uh, performance that you can possibly compete at. And for me, coming from the Murray Valley Cricket Association, um, playing in the finals in Cricket Orby Wodonga was, was a fair big step, fairly big step up for me. So it was a big challenge. And and yeah, definitely, I didn't do it on my own though, Robbie. I get a lot of plaudits and a lot of praise for, for my performances there. But if we hadn't got 220 in the grand final, and then I wouldn't have had anything to defend or we wouldn't. And if Jack Holt and Zach Simmons hadn't have stepped up in those games, well, you're only as good as the bowlers at the other end, mate. And yeah, uh, it was honestly just the way it panned out, to be honest. Um, it certainly wasn't the intention um, to, to bowl um, whatever, 34 overs in a row or whatever it was. Um, but once we got on top, um, for me and, and Drew as well, uh, we didn't want to let them off um, at, at any stage. Robbie Jackson was still out there. And as we know, he's an absolute legend of cricket, Orby Wodonga and, and country cricket. So um, he was still out there. And with, with the with the batsmen they still had in the sheds, we knew that it was going to be uh, tight. Um, so yeah, at no stage did I think that I was going to come off. Um, we sort of probably just had to rotate from the other end. Uh, no, there was there was no banter. No, no. Um, yeah, I, we both knew the situation. I've got massive respect for Robbie, and yeah, we we couldn't get him. He was not out at the end. So um, as I said earlier, this was the uh, me coming over from the Murray Valley and coming over and giving myself a challenge in the uh, cricket Orby Wodonga comp. Um, we knew it was a I knew it was going to be a massive step up. Um, and yeah, for then for me to win a premiership with my best mate Drew Cameron, so for us to be able to achieve that, that was his first, and for us to achieve that for Belvoir, who hadn't won a, a first grade premiership um, in cricket or Wodonga, um, yeah, for all those factors, mate, and, and yeah, it was just a still very close with the boys, even though I don't live over there anymore. Um, it just yeah, it, I rank it at the top of my achievements, mate.
In a quirky twist, even though Mick Russell didn't play in the last two finals, his boots did, and it was Gench who filled his boots, as Gench explains. In the uh, first final, uh, what's that, the qualifying final, um, I actually blew out my spikes um, against Wodonga the first time around in the first final. So when they blew out and uh, Mika, Mika stood stood himself down for the second final, um, yeah, he handed me his spikes and um, he's told me for the next 10 years that it's uh, that's the reason why I took 11 wickets in the next two games. Nat Saruman proved his tag as the best keeper in the competition by taking five classy catches, while Jack Holt, two for 11 off nine overs, Brad Freak, five overs of just 11 runs, and Simmons, two for 44, proved the Eagles' mantle as the best attacking Cricket Orbridonga. So, in its ninth season of Cricket Orbridonga Provincial, the Eagles had landed its first premiership, and one that was celebrated long and hard, with a traditional Billy Joel anthem being belted out later in the evening. Mick Russell explained the song choice. Yeah, well, the origins of the Piano Man were, were um, date back to to the Belvoir of old, pre my time, uh, senior, you know, as a as a senior cricketer at Belvoir. Yeah, and it, it dates back to the to the days when um, they used to Belvoir used to play. They were in the district competition, and they'd go and drink at the Birralee um, <laughs> on a Saturday night. And there was a there was a the, from what I understand, there was a regular um, performer down there at the Birralee who would sing piano <laughs> man. Yep. And and the old timers, the old you know the, our our ex you know A grade and B grade and C grade senior cricketers used to you know form a ring at nine o'clock on a Saturday. As, oh, beautiful! As whoever used to sing, they used to. And and then it then it died out. Anyway, we had a we had a road trip. We had a bus trip once as a function. I think it was just as we we'd entered provincial and and a few of the old timers hopped on board and and, yep. and they kind of you know told us hey we used to do this and we got to this pub i think it was at yak in the yep. bottom pub at yak and someone put it on the jukebox and next thing you know we had 40 belvoir cricketers arm in arm in this big circle and it, belting out you know piano man and it was just this incredible at training on the tuesday and at training on the thursday we were still saying geez how good was that yes. Like, it was just this, yes and 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 from then on we we just pull it out at at um, you know special moments for our club, and um, we did it at Eggy's funeral. Oh, okay. Uh, at, at, you know, yeah. at, at the wake, yeah. Eggy's Eggy's coffin got, uh, you know, got got walked out to the hearse with Piano Man playing, and then later on at the wake, we had, you know, fifty or sixty people in a massive circle mm-hmm. singing Piano Man with his daughters in, you know, in the circle, and it was just this. It's it's come to represent something that. It's bigger than just a, you know, what, you know, yahooing on a Saturday night for our yeah. club. It's something that, uh, that it's got a fair bit of meaning and emotion attached to it now. So, but it's also fantastic to rip out when you win a flag too. <laughs> Mad Monday coincided superbly with the Wodonga races. Would you believe it? As the party continued in full swing, with the National Racing coverage recognising some of the team members' antics, catching a tired and exhausted Mick Spatiri sound asleep with a drink in one hand and another balanced on his head. Belvoir had four of its bowlers in the top 20 wicket takers with Matt Gench 35 wickets, Zach Simmons 25, Jack Holt 22 and Brad Freak 19. The association's leading wicket taker was Sam Stevens from Talangata with 40. Josh Warren finished with 622 runs just ahead of his fellow left-handed teammate Drew Cameron with 609 runs and Nat Saruman 330 to go with his 28 catches and two stumpings. North Aubrey's Ash Barilla topped the runs with 674. The 2015-16 Belvoir Premiership and Finals team members were Drew Cameron, John Spencer, Glenn Vasalo, Nat Saruman, Dylan Wright, Josh Warren, Matt Gench, Michael Spatiri, Jack Holt, Brad Freak, Cameron McCormack, Zach Simmons, Mick Russell, Peter Cook, and Ryan McNeil. This episode is dedicated to life member Ryan Eggie McNeil and his family for his dedication, passion, and love of his club and teammates. Eggie sadly passed away in June 2019 after a brave and courageous fight against cancer. 
Well, there you go. The Eagle did indeed land at Kelly Park after a season of turmoil, emotion, sadness, brilliance, and an act of complete selflessness by a captain who put team before individual pursuits. Again, a massive thank you to Zach and the team at Japo Donks Tyres, Wheels and Batteries for sponsoring this episode that will go down in Belvoir cricket folklore. If you want your team's sporting moment brought back to life, get in touch with us at yoursportandmedia.com. For now, stay safe and we look forward to bringing you another episode of Glory Days soon. Glory Days.